Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. What's going on, everybody? Um, back to the Tuesday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris. Joining me, as always, Slim Cliffy. How are we doing on this Tuesday? Not doing too bad. Tuesday's always my I hate Tuesdays. It's my, it's my least it. favorite. Yeah, it's my least favorite day. Like like Monday, you you're just kind of a zombie anyway. So you're just, you know, more or less just going through the motions. It's like, you know, bad Friday or something. But Tuesday's when it sinks in. Like you get up Tuesday morning, you're like, oh man, like four or five more days of this. And uh, you know. Didn't didn't cash last night. Didn't didn't do well at all. So uh, kind of a double whammy. Um, interesting slate last night because like nobody really like super smashed, but there were uh, a couple teams that did pretty well. Obviously, yeah. And I kind of agree with you. Tuesday sucks. Um, hump day is where it's at. Speaking of hump day, today is the one year anniversary of the hardwood promo. I popped up in my memories today. So <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, last year, Monday, hardwood, holes near DFS game, all the scenes. But, like, um, maybe it comes back because NBA starts next Thursday. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, last night was kind of a weird one. I think Detroit 1 was the best overall line, like, all like combined. So, like, yeah, you needed them. Toronto did nothing. Matthews had nine shots on goal, but nothing great for Chalk Toronto. It, like, I just don't like turbo slates. Like, I like five-game slates if they're spread out a little bit. It just feels weird. Like, the NHL couldn't stagger two of those games to 7.30, so they're all at all at break at the same time. It's just like, come on. But tonight we have massive contests on DraftKings. It's nice to see 50K to first in the 15, which which is – I correct me if I'm wrong. Like, the first time they've done that outside of, like, the beginning of the season or the NBA All-Star break. So hopefully that fills – we have the Spinorama tonight with 100K to first. We have a $1,425 qualifier that's probably full by now. It's a 20-man field. But exciting uh, GPPs. Nice slate tonight. Some big boys on the slate. McDavid and Drysdale together. Colorado's on the slate. Tampa's on the slate. Buffalo on the slate. So um, pretty excited about that. We'll get into the slate in a second. But before you do, there are 92 of you in here. Please smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our show goes live. If YouTube isn't for you, you can find all of our content on the Stochastic uh, podcast channel. Give us a five-star review there. That helps us out. And don't forget, we have the Stochastic Hall of Fame. You can 
get into the Hall of Fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and FanDuel by going to stochastic.com backslash avatar and changing your avatar on DraftKings and FanDuel. Placed in the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants. It's actually available to do that on, on DraftKings and NHL now because of these GPPs. If you happen to do that, tweet the win to at stochastichof on X or emails with your screenshot and you can win one free month of stochastic package of your choice. You can only win once in a calendar year. But again, if you're doing that multiple times, I feel like your wallet is a little full. Anyway, let's get into this slate eight gamer. Fun little slate here. First game of the night, the Minnesota Wild with a 3.2 total. Heading into Montreal, the Canadiens have a 2.9 total. Boldy is out tonight. Uh, you told me before the show that Minnesota doesn't have the cap room to call up anyone. There's a lot of teams with this problem. And they're going to go 11 forwards and six defensemen, so they're going to be a man short. Capper's off, Zuccarello, Hartman. That line is the highest own projected line that we have on the slate tonight. Uh, at 23.5% projected ownership, this is a very good spot. And they're so high because Hartman is going to be taking the power play one spot of Boldy, so that line is fully correlated. Uh, looks like Montreal is going to, with Doc Hurt, they're going to go Suzuki, Caulfield, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, which was a pretty good line last year, although Raphael Harvey-Pinard was on a shooting percentage heater. Uh, second line of Anderson, Slavkovsky, Newhook, then Monaghan, Gallagher, and Pearson. Some pretty big ownership in this game, six over under. I like Minnesota one here. They're only 18,400. The problem is the ownership. And, like, it's fine if you want to play some mid-range lines tonight, but you're going to have to fade Colorado. You're going to have to fade Buffalo. You're going to have to fade Edmonton. So, in a single lineup, I'm not sure I'm getting to Minnesota here. <sighs> yeah. Um, it's one of those things, like, I understand all the – obviously, I understand all the ownership on Minnesota. Like, Montreal – They've shown it early so far this season already. Pretty lax defensive team. Still a lot of young players there. They don't stole a lot of young players up front. Um, they're, pro they're probably going to be bad defensively all season, whether five on five or on the PK. So, you know, I certainly get uh, the reason for going with Minnesota. They got, they, they're off to another slow start, that top line. Only 57 shot attempts per 60 um, in their couple games played. Um, they were a lot better a couple years ago when they were really firing firing sorry on all cylinders um there's really not a matchup that really worries me um i do think josh anderson getting moved down to the second line makes the top line better defensively like he's just you know a god bless josh anderson he, uh, he's a favorite of mine to watch he's not a good defensive winger like he just isn't um and he really drags down whatever line that he's on so there are reasons for playing Minnesota one. Um, they are going to be incredibly chalky. That's kind of the only problem here. Um, another thing that worries me is without Jared Spurgeon and now without Alex Goligoski, like you're putting a lot on defensemen that really shouldn't be in the spot that they're spots that they're in, right? Like John Merrill probably shouldn't get over 20 minutes a night and he might get that here tonight. Like I like Brock Faber. Not sure he should be on your top pair right now. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's it's kind of like just moving players out of or into positions that they probably shouldn't be in. So I'm I'm not gonna say don't play Minnesota one because the other thing with going 11-6 is it's the top guys that are gonna get more minutes. Like you know the minutes will be spread around a little bit, but like 
if they're going 11-6, Kirill Kaprizov's not playing 17 minutes tonight. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to get a lot of ice time. Zuccarello's going to get a lot of ice time. Hartman's going to get a lot of ice time. So there are plenty of reasons for wanting to play Minnesota. I just think on an eight-game slate, for a road team to be over 20%, like, that's that's a lot for me. So, I'm not, you know, your 150 maxers are obviously going to have them. If you're playing one to three lineups or something, you're going to have a decision to make. It's just not something that that I'm doing personally. And once you get once you get past Minnesota one, it's tough to stack anything, right? Because like which lines are actually going to play meaningful minutes together? Because um, you're you know you're going to see Kaprizov go play with you know the quote fourth liners or whatever. That's how these eleven six splits typically work out. But they're going to leave the top line together as much as they can, and it's going to be the second, third, fourth lines that are going to get jumbled. So it's going to be hard to really stack any line. Like if you want to do like a Godro Felino or something like that, like I think you can do that. But for me, it's Minnesota one or bust. And it seems like a lot of people agree with that because the ownership is really high. On the Montreal side, I wrote up uh, Harvey Pernard uh, in the picks article, uh, free every day for now, at least over at stochastic.com. Just go to the NHL section. I have a DFS article Monday through Saturdays. Um, I, talk, I talked about Harvey Pinar and I brought up his shooting percentage. The other thing about that shooting is that he a lot of it were scoring chances. And it's because Nick Suzuki is a really, really good playmaker. Like Suzuki is good at finding teammates in good shooting opportunities. No, he's not going to repeat 22%. But can he be like a 15% shooter playing with Suzuki or 14? Like I think that's eminently doable. And Pinard in his last AHL season, he was over three shots per game in the minor leagues. So this is a guy that shoots and likes to score. And that's why him and Suzuki really played well together. Like what I mentioned in that article was 2.9 expected goals per 60 minutes and 4.0 actual goals per 60 minutes playing with Suzuki. Those numbers are better than Suzuki's numbers with Caulfield. That's how good that line was for the 32 or 33 games or whatever they were together. Uh, so I really do like that line. I'm not super concerned about Minnesota defensively either. Um, not that Goligoski is, is a great defenseman, but now you're missing Goligoski and Spurgeon. Again, you're putting guys in situations that they shouldn't be in. They're going to get a lot of that hartman Kaprizov line, and that's not the great defensive line that the others can be. So I don't really have a problem with playing Montreal one here tonight. They are coming in over leverage. That's kind of the problem here is because they're not expensive. Um, they're coming in at 8% on the top stacks tool by ownership with a top two probability under 4%. If you want to leave off Harvey Pernard and, you know, put Josh Anderson on because, you know, with Doc Hurt, it's Josh Anderson going to the top power play unit. Like you can do that, uh, put Sean Monahan there or something like that if you want. Um, I do like that line. I'm interested to see how they play. Uh, I just, I think the ownership might just be a little bit high, but they're certainly, they're certainly uh, in play for me. Um, other than that, it would be picking one-offs from the Montreal deaths. So a one-off Sean Monaghan, uh, one-off Slavkovsky, that type of thing. Um, you know, that Montreal third line, Monaghan, Gallagher, Pearson's coming in with a lot of ownership. Because Edmonton and Colorado are so expensive tonight that if you want to stack elsewhere, you have to go find eight, nine, ten thousand dollar lines, and there are only so many of those. Um, Montreal three is one of them, so they, they're probably going to carry a lot of ownership, and that's the reason why I really don't want to stack them out, right? So I think it's both top lines for me, maybe some one offs from the depth. Um, there's just I don't see 
uh, like a full stack, I want to play elsewhere on either side, especially with Minnesota only going 11 forwards. Yeah, and I would be remiss before he moved on. Hoping for uh, Rossi to get some bigger minutes tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about Marco Rossi on, a, on an earlier show. I, and I think the time he's in the picks article, he scored. So, you know, pat on the back for that one. But he's played legitimately well. Like, if you look at his shot rate, his shot rate is really high only through the first couple of games. And that was kind of his problem uh, in his earlier NHL call-ups is that he wasn't creating much offensively. He has been creating quite a bit offensively now. Just two games, you know, playing against the Toronto depth and the Florida depth, that's not really, you know, anything to write home about. But it's not like Montreal is going to be any better. And, you know, Rossi's a guy that could play a lot of, a lot, not a lot of minutes, but a lot more minutes than he had been playing. Like, I could easily see him playing 15, 60 minutes here tonight. So, uh, if you want to pair him, like, with, you know, uh, a Felino or a Gojo or something like that, I think that's fine. Yeah, I'm... It's depending on your build, right? If you're smashing in like Edmonton power play, you need some cheap guys. Uh, yeah. Marco Rossi does make some sense. Larry, maybe Isles too. Yeah, we'll get to them. The uh, the issue with them might be ownership, but yeah, they're they're in play for sure. Let's move on to the next one: Tampa Bay Lightning with a three point four total heading into Buffalo. The Sabers have a three point five total. Steven Stamkos out again tonight. The return to Buffalo for Jonas Johansson. Um, Listen, like they trash him in Buffalo, but maybe he has a little bit more motivation, but it's like putting lipstick on a pig. So I don't know. Uh, with Stamkos out, the top line is going to be Kucherov, Point, Hagel, second line of Sorelli, Michael Asimont, Taylor, Tanner, Janot. For Buffalo, same top line. Uh, Victor Olsen's out. So the second line is Cousins, Paterka, Krebs, third line of Middlestat, Zach Benson, Jordan Greenway. Zach Benson, Min Price on DraftKings. That third line, third line, if you want to call it, is 8,100, but they're they're almost the highest owned, projected owned line in this game for me. And it's Buffalo 1. Like, I, I know they've come out to a slow start. They're 21,300, but no Stamkos, Jonas Johansson in net. They've been struggling on the penalty kill. I just, you know, are the stars aligning for Buffalo 1? I know you have some minutes concerned, but I think this is a Buffalo night. Yeah, I'll start with that concern first. There is a legitimate minutes concern with Buffalo because Tage Thompson got his ice time kind of nuked down the stretch last year. Like the last 15, 20 games, he was playing 17 to 18 minutes a game. He had been 18 to 19 earlier in the season. Uh, so far this season, kind of the same thing. He's not really uh, getting the ice time that you'd want to see. Like he's at around 16 and a half minutes. Like when you're paying over eight grand for a player on DraftKings, you want more than 16 and a half minutes. The thing is, I think this is a really, really good matchup for them. And we haven't been saying that um, about Tampa Bay for many, many years now. But Tampa Bay has been off to a terrible start so far this season defensively. Uh, that's another thing that I pointed out in that picks article over at stochastic.com. Going into tonight, after three games, the Lightning are 30th by shots against at even strength, last by expected goals against, and 31st by actual goals against. Now, that's just at even strength. But the thing is, is that, like, it's kind of a part of a pattern that started last year. Um, if you go back to the All-Star break last season, which adds 34 games to the sample, um, they were 21st uh, by shots against, 17th by expected goals against, 21st by goals against. So, 
we're up to 37 games or almost half a season of this team being well below average defensively. And at a certain point, when, when can we stop saying this, you know, this team is going to rebound and not, this is what the team is now. You know what I mean? Maybe they're just a team that will score a lot of goals, but give up a lot in return. Um, you know, the Buffalo top line for, as you know, they've been off to a bad start. You know, Tage doesn't have a point through the two games, but they've been still generating, um, you know, 68 shot attempts per 60 minutes since they've been on the ice this year. And let's not forget, like, Buffalo had a couple tough, pretty tough games out of the gate, right? Like, they played the Rangers, and the Rangers have looked like one of the best teams in the NHL so far this season. You know, I don't want to uh, pump your tires too much, but, you know, let's face facts. They've looked phenomenal um, so far this season. uh, And, that you know, that was their first game of the year. The Rangers are second in the league by expected goals here, by the way. Um, Not bad. And then their second game was going into New York to play the Islanders, which is just a dead zone for offense. Like almost no one does well going in there. So it's a dead zone for everything. In, in <laughs> <laughs> so if your first game is against one of the top teams in the league in the early portions of the season, and your second game is in one of the worst spots for creating offense that exists, you're probably not going to look very good. And, you know, they've had, tough time generating quality, but if Tampa's as bad defensively or anywhere near as bad defensively as they've shown, then this is a great matchup uh, for the Buffalo top line. So yeah, I'm in on Buffalo one as well. Uh, one of my favorite lines on the slate, top two stack percentage of nearly 16%, only 5% ownership um, over on DraftKings. Uh, ownership is higher on FanDuel, but still with good leverage um, because they're relatively cheap on FanDuel, but they still have good leverage. So they're still very playable uh, over on FanDuel here tonight. Like, if you don't want to just go and slam Edmonton and Colorado or whatever, I think Buffalo's top line makes a very nice pivot. The second line is interesting to me. Um, Olofsson, he always seemed like a fish out of water on that line. Like, uh, like I'm sorry, Victor Olofsson's just not a top six winger at this at this point. Like, he's just not. Um, he's a guy that could probably do very well in very sheltered matchups on the third line. Uh, getting secondary power play time or something like that, but he can't go against opposing team top six, top six. He he just can't drive the play like that. Um, that's why he's a healthy scratch. Peyton Krebs there, like Krebs isn't a very good offensive player. He hasn't shown much offensively, but he is very good defensively. And I think that's kind of what that line needs. Like with Dylan Cousins and JJ Paterka, you really don't need more offense, right? Um, you need a guy that can turn pucks over, uh, get pucks to those other two skilled players, you know, create a little havoc, you know, below uh, below the hash marks and in front of the net, that type of thing. I think Krebs is going to fit in well there. So I kind of like that Buffalo second line. You know, Cousins is on the top power play unit. It's They're expensive, which is a little bit of a problem. Like, they're expensive for what they are, 13300 But if you don't want to go to, you know, one of those super chalk um, third lines that we've talked about already, um, you know, if you want to leave off Krebs, maybe turn it into more of a power play stack and add Tage or, or add Alex Tuck or something like that. I think that's fine. But I think Buffalo too makes a decent filler stack, especially uh, when you see how expensive or uh, how highly owned Buffalo three is like Buffalo three probably has been their best line all told the Benson Greenway middle stat line. Middle stat's a player that's really grown on me over the last couple of seasons. Like I thought he'd be out of like nearly out of the NHL by now. And he's actually looking like a top six playmaker. Um, 
they're just coming in with too much ownership, like 7% for a third line that might only play 13 or 14 minutes. Like, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. Um, so I think it's Buffalo. Like, I, 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 Buffalo one is one of my favorite lines on the entire slate. I think Buffalo two makes a nice filler as well. On the Tampa side, like with Stamkos out, it's Hagel to the top line, but they messed up their power play units. So they're leaving Kucherov and Point together, obviously. Nick Paul is there, but then they're running the double defenseman thing with Sergachev and Hedman. So Brandon Hagel, even though he's on the top line, is not going to be on the top power play with them. Um, it is a good matchup. Like, let's face facts. Like, Buffalo looked bad defensively so far this season, and they weren't good defensively last year. So it's fair to wonder just how good they, defensively they, they actually are. Um, but they're coming in with more ownership than Buffalo is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're coming in with more ownership than Buffalo won, and Buffalo won as the home team. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the perfectly correlated line at home, mind you, not, you know, a broken correlation line on the road. So I, I think when you look at the ownership, the expected ownership, it's Buffalo won over Tampa won all day for me um, in this matchup. Like, I think you can dip down to the, you know, second line if you want to, like, two-man, like, Esamon and, and Janot or something like that from Tampa, you know, maybe the Buffalo middle six struggles a little bit with their line shuffling, but um, I, I really do like Buffalo one in this game. So it's Buffalo one, maybe some Buffalo two, if you, if you need to dip down um, that I like the most, I can I think I kind of like the Tampa Bay depth a little bit better than I like the top line here tonight, just for ownership purposes. Yeah, a couple of things before we move on. Uh, there was a good question in chat from could be Travis. Are full five-man stacks viable in GPPs? Or are you more likely to stack four three with a one-off? I think power play stacking is very viable in GPPs. I think Buffalo power play stack is in play tonight for sure. And it is very pricey because you have to add in Cousins. You have to add in Rasmus Dahlin. So you're going to have to go dumpster diving. But I think power play stacking is a nice way to get different, even if all those guys are going to be chalky. There, you. How many lineups are going to have the full power play? Not many. So, I mean, didn't 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 Hoffbrow hit with a with the power play stack last night? Um, the power play stack. I don't remember his lineup. I, I thought it was a power play stack from Detroit, but I don't even remember my lineup. So, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But yeah, I, I think one of our subscribers um, yeah. took down a GPP last night with with it. It might not have been a full power play stack because Detroit does that double defenseman thing as well. So I don't think he had both defensemen, but I'm pretty sure he had at least one of them. So, yeah, power play stack is perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. And just these coaches going to the three forward, two defenseman power plays, power plays, like it's like 10 years ago in the NFL when all these teams were going to the Wildcat. It just doesn't work. Like just I, I, I get the thought process behind it because penalty kills are, are so much more aggressive now that, you know, teams are giving up way too many shorthanded goals. But I think you're also capping your upside on the power play. So it's like, what's the what's the trick? Like, I, I, I'm sure teams have uh, teams have worked this out analytically, like what the exact trade off is, you know, going from four forwards to three forwards, uh, goals for and against. I know you know, five or six years ago when this was studied in public analytics, like it, it said, just go with the four forwards, because even if you give up a little bit more in return, you just create so much more the other way that it, it balances itself out. It feels like one of those things that teams should do, like maybe in the final five minutes of a game, if you're protecting a lead, like not in the first period when you're trying to build your lead. Yeah. And Carolina has gone away from, they, they try to, I think, Brendan Moore wanted to try it, and Carolina has one of the sharpest analytical departments in the NHL. And they're like, buddy, enough. 
Yeah. And now Natchez is on the top power play and Burns got moved down. Let's move on to the next one. Arizona Coyotes with a 2.4 total heading into Long Island. We just talked about how shitty that is. The Islanders have a 3.2 total. Uh, Arizona played last night. They lost to the Rangers 2-1. Uh, Arizona kind of got Igored a little bit last night. Igor had a nice bounce back game. I thought Arizona top line looked pretty good in that game. They're coming in right at their top two stack percentage uh, in terms of ownership. Now they're going to get – they go from Igor to Sorokin back-to-back. That's just uh, – that's kind of what happened to Buffalo at the start of their season. So, uh, you know, Arizona has the lowest total on the slate, I believe, besides the Sharks, but the Sharks don't really count. Um, in terms of the Islanders' lines, I feel like Islanders' two is going to be a little bit more popular. Nelson, Palmieri, Engvall – they're coming in double the ownership of their top two stack percentage. Like on this slate, 6% for that line, if you're spending up, I think is fine. You're just going to have to get a little bit different with your defenseman. If you want to go to that top line of Horvat, Barzell, Holmstrom, that's fine as well. But for me, it's New York Islanders too. And if you are MMEing, I would have a little bit of Arizona. I'd probably be under the field on the 5.9% projected ownership. Yeah, I like – I. I, I you know, this is a Yotes season for me. I'm on the Yotes bandwagon. Um, I pick a, a Western Conference team basically like every season to follow because, you know, I'm staying up till 2 a.m. watching hockey every night. Logan Cooley looks good, man. Yeah, he does. And, you know, last year it was Los Angeles. The year before it was Dallas. That's why I have this jersey. Um, this year we're going with Arizona. You know, they are fun. This is the most fun Arizona team I've watched in, in a decade. So, um, it's nothing against them. It's just it's it's a road back to back. You're getting Elias Sorokin, and, and this is one of the toughest matchups to create offense in hockey. So um, that's just kind of like there are just a lot of problems here. Like I know Scott Mayfield's out on the blue line for the Islanders tonight, but what the Islanders do with their defense when they have one of their top like they basically run a five defense five defenseman rotation. And when one of those five guys is out, they just play the other four guys more. Like, it's not like the guy coming in is going to get 19 minutes. Like, if Bolduc does does dress or whatever, he's not getting 19 or 20 minutes. It's just going to be, like, four or five, like, three or four minutes extra for everyone else. So, it's not like it's that much better of a matchup if, if even with Mayfield out. So, I'm not going to waste time talking about Arizona here. Like, you know, if you're 150 maxing or whatever, certainly um, you're going to play them. The price isn't bad on them. So, like, you don't need like three goals out of them to, you know, to for sure hit, um, hit in a GPP. But um, I just, I just don't think that it's, it's a very good, you know, spot to pick them. I will say that yesterday we talked about how there's so many lines around that 17 K price range that were viable. Like tonight, there really aren't a lot. Like once you get past 15,000, there's basically nothing until you hit the 18 K range. And it's, this Arizona line and we'll get to Nashville or Nashville line. Like other than that, you're going to have to change your lineup somehow. So I can see people, why people might want to get to Arizona, depending on what else they're building on the Islanders side. One, I want to note that the ownership on the Islanders has come down through the day. Uh, when we ran our first run of top stacks this morning, it was like 11 to 13% for the first and second lines on DraftKings, And that has come down to about 6% that's a lot more palatable to me. Like when they were like 13% ownership against 4% top two stack, I was like, okay, maybe not, but it's six and a half percent ownership against, you know, three and a half percent top two stack, 3.3% top two stack. Like that's I'll, I'll like, I'll take that. Um, I did write up the Islanders again in that uh, picks article. I also wrote up Brock Nelson. 
I don't think people realize this, but over the last three years, Brock Nelson has scored more goals per minute than Nathan McKinnon. That's how efficient he is with his goal scoring. Um, you know, Arizona is was one of the most penalized teams in the league last year. I think they're at like four penalties per game so far this year. So, you know, pretty much bang on what they did a year ago. Um, it's a pretty good power play matchup for the Islanders, and you get Nelson and Paul Neri um, on that top power play unit. I really, really do like that Islanders second line. They've been playing. They've been playing well. You know, they had a good first game. They played well when Engvall got traded there last year. Like, they create a lot. Over 150 minutes together now, five on five. 42 shots per 60 minutes. That is crazy. That's like a low end power play. Like honestly, a really low end power play, but a low end power play nonetheless. Um, so I really do like at that Islander second line, but I think going to the top line is just fine. Like, and the thing is that top line is going to play more minutes. Like I think Barzal and Horvat are, you know, by the end of the season, they're both going to be probably maybe around 21 minutes, certainly over 20 minutes a game. So if you want to go get the minutes, go to Horvat and Barzal. Horvat's been shooting to start the year too. I think he had eight shots in that first game or something like that. Like they're definitely looking for him. So I think both Islanders' top lines are very, very much in play here. Um, I'll lean to the second line because we've seen a bigger sample of them playing well. But they're close enough in price and close enough in top two stack probability that it's kind of just, if you need the extra $1,000, go with the second line. If you don't need the extra $1,000, go with the top line. That's kind of, you know, uh, the way I'm approaching this game. I don't think I'm dipping all the way down to the third line, Lee, Pajot, Bashing, especially where they're coming in a little bit over-owned. You know, I think a one-off Anders Lee or one-off Pajot or something like that is fine. I like Hudson, Hudson, Fashing. That looks like a good line to me, especially a good third line. Um, just not sure I'm going to dip that far down today. Yeah, and if you thought we were going to get through the show without bashing the Leafs, <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, they, the Leafs really needed Engvall in the bottom six. They just got run over by Corey Perry and Tyler Johnson last night. Corey Perry. It was, it was a tough scene. Tyler Tyler Johnson, like, come on. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Johnson, when Tyler Johnson's splitting the D, you know you're not having a very good night. Yeah. All right, I'm a big Angval guy, though. So, but anyway, uh, sign up using the link in the description box to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. You can get weekly or monthly. And what comes with that? You get player and ownership projections, top, t- top stacks tool line combinations you get access to the discord the discord is great uh it's a lot of fun in there and you get a lot of good information so if you haven't signed up for um premium yet and you're still thinking about it go give that week uh get that week membership give it a test run when you like it you can re-up and go do that but man it is it's been a lot of winners in the discord a lot of stuff Jake talking about his Chipotle order. Haas went to Chipotle last night, only got protein. Like, you, you find out weird things about people. Uh, but you also get good nuggets like Leon Dreisaitl has 23 points or 22 goals and 13 assists in 23 games against the Nashville Predators. And let's get to that game right now. The Edmonton Oilers with a 3.5 total heading into Nashville. The Predators have a three total. Uh, that... Leon Drysall is now skating next to Connor McDavid. Evander Kane is still there. Um, for what reason? I don't know. But that line to full stack is twenty four thousand. Their top two, their top two stack percentage is thirty one point eight percent. But they're they have massive positive leverage. 
They're lower owned than the second line for Edmonton projected. Now, what can you really say here about Edmonton? It's a really good matchup, good power play matchup. They are go- they are going against Soros, who has been very good to start the season. But here's what I would say: I think you go Edmonton power play stack, or you full stack that top line. You add in Kane. You get on a unique path. I think if Kane can't get there with Drysaddle McDavid, they aren't gonna. He's gonna be in the bottom six before you know it. I'm about to sneeze, so I'm gonna send it over to you. Okay, you enjoy your sneeze. Yeah, the tough thing with Kane being on the top line too is that um, there's no pivot. There's no cheap pivot to go to, at least not one with correlation to McDavid and Drysaddle. Like Zach Hyman is a thousand dollars more expensive. Um, Evan Bouchard, if you want to just like go double center plus defense is $600 more expensive. <laughs> hey, buddy. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, what are you doing? <laughs> Ryan Nugent Hopkins is $400 more expensive. Your, your, your mic's unmuted. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so there's not really a swap uh, with Kane. I think you might see, a, you mentioned it to me before the show, there's probably going to be a lot of people that just go McDavid at dry subtle and then just build their lineup around that. Um, that's something I could easily see. Like Kane is ostensibly a pretty good volume shooter, or at least like he's supposed to be in a pretty good goal scorer. Um, you know, he is 32 years old and he is a power forward that's had a lot of injuries over his career. Um, there's a litany of power forwards who've really fell off once they once they hit 30 years old. Like Jamie Ben's res- that's why Jamie Ben's recent resurgence is so surprising, is because he had like three years where he was dust. Um, Jerome McGinley really fell off once he hit like 34, 35, like Kane's not there yet, but, um, you know, power forward, you know, look at Tom Wilson, like Tom, Tom Wilson's looked terrible, um, so far this season. So he's coming off knee surgery, power forward to 29 years old. Like that's just kind of the nature of the game. Um, maybe he's really just taking a nosedive. Um, it could be, and maybe he's, like you said, maybe he's on the third line by this, by the second period. Like if, if Edmonton doesn't get out to like a one nothing two nothing lead here they're mixing up these lines that's kind of the other problem with stacking is like looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats and place your entry it's as easy as that If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
if they don't get out, like they, I don't like they lost against Vancouver over the weekend, but I didn't think Edmonton necessarily played poorly. Um, I think their goaltending sucks, but I don't think that they necessarily, Oh, welcome back to grimace. I just turned purple. I don't think they necessarily um, played that poorly. It's just, you know, they got to start putting some wins on the board. Um, I wrote that line up uh, in the power, in the, uh, picks article mainly because of the ownership. Like they're coming in around 10, 11% ownership. Um, there's really, you know, there's really not a lot you can stack with them. So maybe you stack them and then it's a bunch of one-offs or you stack them and then go play one of those super chalk third lines. Um, you know, you mentioned dry sidles numbers against Nashville. Like that's absolutely absurd. Like I don't think player versus team necessarily exists, but if there does like Leon dry certainly the poster boy, what I will say is that Nashville's top line has been pretty good defensively early to start the year. Like um, O'Reilly and uh, Philip Forsberg, only 51 shot attempts against per 60 um, to start this year. Like we mentioned on the last show, Yusuf Parsonen is actually a pretty good defensive forward. Um, so it's not like a tremendous matchup. And again, they're facing UC Saros, but you know, UC Saros has definitely been lit up by dry settle. So I really do like, I do like Edmonton one here. That's why I, do, I did write them up in the picks article. I don't think it's a bad matchup, especially when you factor in, you know, Nashville certainly had their struggles on the penalty kill over the last couple of years uh, and with taking penalties. And if you give Edmonton too many power plays, you're toast. So I do like Edmonton one here. It's just, you know, when I'm looking at my one to three max builds and I see a Buffalo top line coming in, at, you know, less than half the ownership to uh, saving $2,700 and they're perfectly correlated. It's like, you know, they're only, there's only so many reasons to go play Edmonton for me. So they are definitely in play. I'm not playing the second line. I am never playing an Edmonton stack without at least one McDavid or a dry style in it. Like, I don't think you need to play both of them all the time, but it's certainly at least one of them. Uh, like I'm not, I'm not playing Warren. I'm not playing a stack with Warren Fogle and no McDavid. Like that's just, I, that's just not the way I'm gonna I'm gonna make my build. So it's Edmonton one or bust. Um, the thing about Edmonton stacking that top line is like not really great defensively, like about league average. Um, that's not anything really to write home about. And as I mentioned, that Nashville top line has been good defensively. They've also been pretty good offensively. Seventy-two shot attempts for sixty minutes. O'Reilly and Forsberg are the guys that are basically the only forwards getting meaningful ice time from this Nashville team. Um, O'Reilly and Forsberg, both on the top power play unit. So, you know, they're not getting a lot of ownership, only at about 2% here. Uh, if you want to leave off Parson and put on Cody Glass, because Glass is on the power play with him, I think that's fine. You know, uh, take off Parson and, and use Roman Yossi if you, if you want to pay up on the blue line. Like, let's face facts here. The Edmonton goaltending has been the worst in the NHL to start the year. And I was hoping for better from Stuart Skinner, but it hasn't been that been the case. And Jack Campbell's looked like the Jack Campbell of the last two years. So um, until the Edmonton goaltending shows improvements, I don't see any reason not to play Nashville here tonight, especially if you're 20 maxing, 150 maxing. Like, not saying they're a must play in single entry or anything like that. Nashville's never a must play. Like, Nashville's not even a must play on a showdown slate. Let's get that straight. So, um, I'm not saying like you have to play them or anything, but very low ownership in what I think is a good matchup against an Edmonton team that I think is a good team. The goaltending just isn't. And that's why Nash like Nashville doesn't need 40 shots to get four goals here tonight. They could probably do it with 20. So um, I do like that Nashville top line. 
other than that, like Nashville is just really jerking around. I'm, I'm gonna phrase that. I'm gonna phrase that differently. Nashville is really messing. Hardwood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wrong promo. Wrong promo. Um, Nashville's really messing with the ice time levels. Like, to, like the Tommy Novak Evangelist lines unplayable because of their ice time levels right now. They're giving Yakov training and, and Colton Sissons ice time. So, like, if you want to play, like Sissons and I think Sissons and training is the is like the or is like Sissons and yeah, Sissons and training is probably the best two man stack outside of the top line for Nashville right now. So, might not be a bad game stack actually. Like, if you want to play super expensive Edmonton, go play Sissons and training or something like that. Right? They're super cheap, no ownership. They're gonna get minutes against the Edmonton depth. Um, I think like Nashville four, as we have them listed, they're not really the fourth line. They've been getting second line minutes at times on this team. And I think they're a nice pairing to go with uh, that super expensive Edmonton power play. Yeah, I'm in on both top lines. And I think Nashville's a nice sneaky GPP play for sure. Whether you get them in one lineup, I'm not sure, but they might be in my mix. Let's move on to the next game here. The Narrative Street Bowl, Los Angeles Kings with a 2.9 total. Heading into Winnipeg, the Jets have a 3.2 total. Narrative Street for Gabriel Velarde, Pierre Locke Dubois. They're probably going to be facing off against each other, too. Uh, that top line for Winnipeg, Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, Gabriel Velarde have looked excellent to start the season. I really like that line. Um, second line, Ehlers, Nita Ryder, Perfitti getting like 11 minutes a night. It's just not great. So for me, I'm looking at the both top lines. The I, I kind of like the Kopitar Kempe Byfield line. They're gonna probably avoid Shifley. So after that, it's not the best. You know, Winnipeg depth not great. So I'm interested in both top lines here. Yeah, um, I'm gonna start with the Edmonton top line. They have looked very good um, to start this season. 68 shot attempts per 60 minutes in their games. Like Velarde looks at home next to them like you and I talked before the show that I wasn't high on Edmonton coming into this or high on Winnipeg coming into the season but one thing that the Winnipeg top line didn't really have last year was a third wheel a consistently good third wheel beside them like Blake Wheeler was there but Blake Wheeler of this year or last year is not the Blake Wheeler five or six years ago um you know Nikolai Ehlers was hurt for half for like half the season when he returned like he did not look like himself so he wasn't playing with them they're going with like Mason Appleton I think Adam Lowry got some time there um you mentioned him getting special cough like they just really didn't have a third guy to play with them and Gabriel Velarde certainly looks like that third guy and he you know he looks like he's just brought everything that he showed in Los Angeles last year and is bringing it to Winnipeg but playing 21 minutes a night instead of you know 14 or 15 um and I'm not and the way Winnipeg runs their lines uh that top line is you know they're going to see a little bit of the Kopitar matchup because they're going to get so much ice time they're going to be out against them but they're not going to play a ton against uh the top line uh for Los Angeles so they're going to be getting some depth matchups like I'm not worried about the Los Angeles goaltending um Copley or Talbot I think it is Talbot that got confirmed for tonight but I'm not worried about either of the goaltenders um, you know, Los Angeles typically doesn't have a great penalty kill. Um, you know, all three guys on the power play, all three guys playing a ton of minutes. Um, positive leverage on the top stacks tool. 
they're 18,500, which is perfectly reasonable um, for, for a line of that caliber uh, on a slate like this. Like the Winnipeg top line is one of my favorite, another one of my favorite top lines on this slate. I don't think there's anything else to play on the Winnipeg side. There's just nobody else getting the minutes. Like the second, and the, the top line's playing like 21 to 22 minutes. The fourth line is playing like eight to 10. And then the second and third lines are splitting the rest. And when you have your second line basically splitting ice time with the third line, you have two third lines. You don't have a second and a third line. Like It's just the way it's going. And Winnipeg heavily uses their top power play unit. So even though the second power play unit or second line of Eli's, Ehlers, Niederreiter, and Perfidi are correlated on the second power play unit, they might not get a lot of ice time, even if they're a three or four power play. So I really do like Winnipeg one here tonight. They're another top line I'm, I'm looking towards. They're one of those lines that if you don't want to pay 21 and change for Buffalo, I think this is one of the pivots that you go to. On the Los Angeles side, one thing I will say about the Kings, I know they're not off to a great start this year, but we talked about it in the Discord a bit earlier today. Like they went to Australia for that exhibition series and then they came back and they lost like four or five, four or five days of training camp. So when you include all the travel that they made, their training camp was about a week shorter than everybody else's. Plus they traveled halfway around the world twice. So, you know, all the way around the world, I guess once. Um, <laughs> I think that's how the math works. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they come back, they miss all those, all those days from training camp. And then their first two games of the season, yeah, they're at home, but they're against Colorado and Carolina, like maybe two of the three best teams in the league. Like they probably had the worst schedule of any team from the middle of September until now. Hopefully they're a little bit more settled down now. Um, you know, Quinn Byfield's playing like 16, 17 minutes to start the year, which is a lot more than he was playing for most of last year. He's shooting more. He has six shots in two games. So he's not a guy that you have to leave off Winnipeg one stacks. Um, I'm not worried about the depth matchups against Winnipeg. The only thing I'm worried about Winnipeg from the Winnipeg side is that their penalty kill was actually good last year. And then you're facing Connor Hellebuck, right? Like one, one thing that, you know, helps the Kings a lot or did last year anyway, was that they had a really, really good power play. Um, in this matchup, it is a little bit tough. I think if I was 20 maxing, I would probably have one, maybe one or two Los Angeles, um, Los Angeles top lines, I should say. In my single entry, I think I might be avoiding them. I think Kings too, that Fiala Dubois, Laferriere line, that they're like they're perfectly playable. You get two out of three on the top power play unit. If you believe in narratives, it's certainly uh revenge time uh for Pierre Luc Dubois uh heading back to Winnipeg. So um, you know, I do like that second line. The Kings third line is really interesting for me. And I say that. <laughs> I say that knowing full well that, yeah, it's the Kings' third line on the road, but Arthur Kaliev is back in the lineup tonight. And Arthur Kaliev is a guy that I've been really, really high on since he was drafted and went early in the second round for the Kings back in like 2019 or 2020 or something. Basically, mainly been a power play guy for them. Hasn't done a lot of five on five, but he's been playing on the fourth line quite a bit, right? And now he finally gets Trevor Moore and Phil Deneau as wingers, like, you know, not elite guys, but certainly pretty good two-way players who can help with Kaliev's deficiencies and Kaliev still has one of the best shots in the NHL, like not a Bedard or Matthew shot, but certainly in the next tier just below them. Uh, he's really, really cheap. They're not coming in with a ton of ownership. I think to know more and Kaliev, especially where they're all going to be on the second power play unit. And, you know, the Kings do run their second power play a little bit. 
Uh, I think Dano Moore and Kaliev is one of those filler stacks that if you want to play them, need a really, really cheap stack with a super expensive Edmonton or something like that, that's one to use. Yeah, I definitely, I'm a big Kaliev slappy too. So we can go down with the Kaliev ship. Uh, before we move on, we have a $5 super chat from DJ Weez, uh, our, D- our resident DJ in the Discord. He doesn't really do anything with DJing, but Cliffy, with the contest pretty good tonight, I need advice. The loneliest time or the loveliest time for build music today? Yeah, it's the loneliest time. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, like, I'm a fan of, of, of the loveliest time. Um, for anybody, I'm, I'm sure our entire chat is wondering what the hell we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about Carly Rae Jepsen's last two albums. One's called The Loneliest Time. One's called The Loveliest Time. Don't get me wrong. I like The Loveliest Time. I just think the highs on the first album, on The Loneliest Time, are so much higher. Um, Go Find Yourself or Whatever is one of my favorite pop songs of like the last 10 years. Certainly one of those songs where if you're hammered at 3 a.m. just smashing vodka uh, sitting on your couch that you might want to listen to. Um it starts with an absolute banger with uh, Surrender My Heart. So, yeah, the loneliest time for sure. One of my favorite bits on Twitter is Pete Blackburn trying to get Carly Rae Jepsen to fall in for like three and a half years. It's so good. But, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. The Colorado Avalanche with a 3.3 total heading into Seattle. The Kraken have a 2.8 total. Um Seattle kind of mixing up their lines. The McCann uh, Beneers Everly line still intact, but now the second line is going to be Jaden Schwartz, uh, Bjorkstrand, and Wenberg. Third line of Burakovsky, Tolvin, and Gord. Status quo for the Avs. Avs not getting a ton of ownership here. It's a decent matchup. I mean, the the Kraken are a pretty good team. It's just goalie issues, and McKinnon and Ranton are coming off a game where they just created so much. They just didn't finish. I think going back to Colorado one here makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it does too, um, especially where you're not seeing a whole lot of ownership on them. We're co- they're coming in under 10% uh, on DraftKings, under 5% on FanDuel, where they are more expensive. Uh, they have been creating. I even looked at uh, the game that wasn't against San Jose because the num- those numbers against San Jose were like, like, I know people say video game numbers way too much, but they were straight up video game numbers. Uh, they ran over Los Angeles as well. Again, I like I talked about Los Angeles schedule. So like maybe there's something a little bit wonky with the start for Colorado here. They have looked really, really good. Um, you know, I think Ranton and McKinnon averaging over 23 minutes a night to start the season, which like like you're playing San Jose and you, you have to play that much. Like maybe there's a little bit of an issue, but uh for DFS purposes, it's really nice to see them playing uh, that much ice on a goal against the Sharks. For, for uh, McKinnon. Yeah. Um, my my issue with Colorado is Seattle penalties and penalty killing. Like, Seattle doesn't take a lot of penalties. They might only take a couple here tonight. And their penalty kill is generally pretty good, even with poor goaltending. And that's kind of like the one thing that really separates Colorado from a lot of other top lines is like, you know, they have multiple guys that can put up like 40 power play points in a season. Um you know, it's basically only like Edmonton and maybe Tampa Bay that could that could kind of boast that. So that's one thing that separates them, and that that's what kind of makes it a little bit of a tougher matchup. But if you're playing like 20 lineups, 50 lineups, 150 lineups, whatever, like you're certainly getting Colorado in there. Like you like you just have to you can't you can't leave them out of your builds completely. It's just if you're single or three entry, you, you have more of a decision to make. Like, do you want to play that Colorado line? Do you want to play Buffalo? Do you want to play Tampa Bay? 
do you want to play there's a couple lines later in this show we'll talk about there are a lot of lines in that over 21k range that are are pretty playable so there are decisions to make there i just don't think it's a it's a good power play matchup for them and that's the one thing that's kind of different it's like it's a bad power play matchup for them but they'll get a lot of minutes and then for buffalo it's i think it's a good power play matchup for them but they might not get a lot of minutes and i i think i would rather have the better power play matchup because then you can it, it will help the efficiency of those minutes you know what i mean so um I do like Colorado one, but they're not my favorite top line here tonight. I don't think they're they're not they're not first or second um, for me on my list. So, uh, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's probably it for me. Like, I'm not going to go play the second line um, in some sort of stack uh, against this like the Seattle middle like if I'm playing Colorado here tonight I'm playing the big guys like I'm not I'm not stacking the second or third lines or something like that I'm playing I'm playing the top line or I'm just not playing Colorado at all um on the Seattle side like I really want to play McCann Beneers and Everly like I they were really good last year they've been really good to start this year they just haven't been able to finish they're shooting under four percent now you can call that regression from last year because like the whole team basically overheated uh, pretty much everyone except Oliver Bjorkstrand, I guess. Uh, and they're, they're at over 80 shot attempts uh, per 60 minutes so far this year, they played uh, three games. So uh, three road games on top of that. So, you know, they have been generating a lot. Um, ice time is the ongoing concern. Um, Veneers or Everly and McCann are fifth and seventh in even strength ice time on the team. Like they're not getting top line minutes in even strength. They're not even getting power play minutes. This has been by power play time. This has been the second unit on the team. So um, as much as I really do want to play that Seattle top line, I, you know, I think, I think I'd rather just go play like the Islanders top line or something like that and just kind of choke on the ownership a little bit. But uh, if I were to play anything from that Seattle side, it would be Seattle one. I think, like a two-man of like Bjorkstrand and Schwartz kind of makes sense. Like Bjorkstrand and Schwartz had good play driving numbers last year. Um, they just couldn't finish. Um, if they can find a little bit of finish, they'll be a pretty good offensive line. And people might want to get in on that before they start, you know, filling the net and their prices come up and they get more popular and all that. So I think like uh, a Bjorkstrand and Schwartz two-man uh, certainly makes uh, uh, some sense here. But it is the top line from Seattle like the most on that side. Yep. Agreed there. Uh, as we mentioned off the top, we are sponsored by Bet365. And you can, if you deposit $10 and bet five of it, you'll get $150 in free bonus bets. The states that are available are Kentucky, Ohio, New Jersey, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado. They will be getting in some more states, but if you live very close to the border, one of those states, 
hop in the car, go across the border, get that nice promo code. You have to be 21 plus, 18 in Kentucky. I don't know what Kentucky's doing. They just kind of beat to their own drum there. Also, if you want to tail my big dog plus money prop of the night that I have on my Twitter every day, today it is a Roman Yossi assist at plus money. I didn't really shop it because I don't have a balance on a lot of sports books, and I've had a big night the other night on DraftKings, so I, I bet mostly on DraftKings, but make sure to check out Odd Shopper if you want to shop the best uh, lines there. But if you or anyone else you know have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to the next one. Carolina, her Caranas have a 3.7 total heading into San Jose. The Sharks have a 2.3 total. Lowest total on the slate. They're at home. It's just funny. Um, interesting spot here for Carolina. Fully correlated top line. They're 19,000, kind of priced in no man's line on the slate. They're not getting a ton of ownership. On that second line, Martin Netches moves up to the top power play. They're 14-4, not getting a ton of ownership. I'm kind of interested. They have a 3.7 total. None of their lines are above 4.5%. Kind of interested in Carolina here. On the Sharks side, like if you're MMEing and you want a top line a hurdle, declare Zadina. It's a brutal matchup, but it's 12 9 and lets you fit in the big guns. Like they maybe be like, I'd have like 1 or 2% of them, but Carolina 1 is my favorite line in this game. Yeah, I'll start quickly on the San Jose side. I have no interest in the top line. Hurdle declares Zadina. I mean, they're going to get minutes. Like I, they're. I could actually see them being kind of a decent line if San Jose had anything approaching an NHL blue line, but they don't. Um, so I don't really have a lot of interest in that. It's the Hoffman Bortolo Eklund line that I'm actually kind of interested in. The reason for that is because they're going to get bottom six matchups for Carolina, which means bottom pair matchups on the defense for Carolina. And I don't know if anybody's looked at Tony D'Angelo's defensive numbers so far this year. But there's a reason why Carolina has been giving up a lot of goals, and it's not because the team's bad. It's because they're getting just buried when D'Angelo's on the ice. We, You and I looked at a graphic the other day when he's on the ice. Like, one side of the ice, there's almost no shots, and it's not the side that D'Angelo's <laughs> covering. On D'Angelo's side, they're just firing at will because he sucks defensively. Like, to the point where I don't, like, care – Carolina is arguably the best defensive team in hockey, and even they can't carry him. That's how bad he is at this point. Like he can still, he's still a great power play defenseman. Don't get me wrong. He just completely sucks in his own end. And that's why I don't mind that Hoffman Bortolo Eklund line, because they're probably going to see more minutes against D'Angelo than the top line will. So um, you know, Eklund's been shooting a little bit to start this season. Bortolo's looked fine in, you know, the minutes that I've seen of San Jose. You know, a two-man of like Bortolo Eklund or like Hoffman Eklund, especially where they're on the power play unit now, I think that's that's kind of fine. But I, I'll let's be honest here. I really don't have a lot of interest in San Jose. The Carolina side, I talked about, I think, on the first time Carolina was on, on a slate about how they get a lot of offense from the, from the defense. And when I was looking at it in the offseason, like one-third of their shots at, five, at even strength came from the blue line. It was the most in the NHL. The only other team above 30% was uh, the Islanders. So, like, they were, you know, clear ahead of most, you know, the vast majority of the NHL. So far this season, the Carolina defense has taken 58% of the shots when the Carolina top line is on the ice. That means the Carolina forwards, the top line forwards, through three games, are taking fewer than half the shots. That is, that is 
absolutely absurd. Like it's going to swing back. Those percentages are going to normalize eventually. But my hope when they were when they got Orlov and when they got Bunting, et cetera, et cetera, that they would kind of turn into more of yeah, a counterattack team and less of a psych, uh, you know, as somebody pointed out to me on Twitter, like a high cycle team. I call them a cycle team, but they're more of a high cycle team because they do shoot from the blue line so much. When you run your offense through the blue line that much, you're necessarily taking the uh, at least one forward out of the scoring play, right? Because if the defenseman's taking the shot, that's one potential point taken away from a forward because you can't get a perfectly correlated goal. There's only three three guys that can get a point on a goal. So 19K is pretty expensive for that line, like you said, kind of in no, man land, no man's land. I'd rather just, you know, they're at 4%. Winnipeg one's at seven and a half percent. I'd rather just go play seven and a half percent Winnipeg one at home at, at home to Los Angeles. Like like, that's just kind of the way it is. Um, I think the Carolina line I do like the most is the third line, because San Jose typically doesn't take a ton of penalties. That third line typically um, doesn't get a lot of power play time. Jordan Martinook is the only Carolina forward to doing any shooting to start the season. Um, and they're coming in with very little ownership. I think a two-man like Stahl Martinuk or something like that against the against the third and fourth line from this San Jose team makes a lot of sense as a filler stack. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes from last year when John Tortorella was like, I didn't realize how bad Tony D'Angelo was defensively. And then he is gone because Torts, if you can't play defense for Torts, you gone. Let's move on to the last game of the night. Dallas Stars with a 2.8 total heading into Vegas. The Golden Knights also have a 2.8 total. This game has almost no ownership because Dallas one is 23,300 in a road matchup against Vegas. That is just tough. Uh, the top line for Vegas, 19-7 going up against Dallas, which is a good team. Um, this this game is just probably MME only for me. I, you can take some one-offs from the bottom six of the teams like Evgeny Dadnoff or you know, like a Michael Mario, but like there's none of these lines I'm screaming. Oh yeah. I got to get this in my one lineup tonight. Yeah. And I like, I looked at how good some of the offensive numbers were for Vegas to start the season. And then I remembered their schedule. Their schedule has been Seattle, San Jose, Anaheim. Like it's, it's, it's close to the easiest start you could possibly have um, to an NHL season. So like, I, I really want to take whatever Vegas numbers, uh, whatever the numbers have been for Vegas uh, with a big grain of salt. Like Eichel has 17 shots in three games. Like there's obviously there's no way he's going to keep up over five shots a game. Um, once he actually starts playing NHL caliber teams, um, that top line, but like, I think I would rather play Vegas one than Carolina one, even factoring in the matchup. They're about the same price. Eichel's been playing, you know, 20 minutes. That was one of the problems when he first got to Vegas was that he was playing 18 and 19 minutes. He wasn't playing around 20 minutes, but he has been lately. Him and Marsha, so in those easy games, were the ones taking all the shots. Um, they're also a heavily used top power play unit. Now, Dallas had a really good penalty kill last year. Probably going to have it again. Um, but where they might get so much ice time, because they are a heavily used unit, I, I think I would pro probably rather play Vegas one than, than Carolina one. Uh, the Vegas second line is, is a pass, so the Vegas third line. Um, Brett Howden looks like he's going to be back tonight. So, you know, maybe you can save a little bit of money there. I think he's only 25 or 2,600. But um, 
it's Vegas one or nothing for me. So probably nothing on the Dallas side. I will say I do have a little bit of interest in Dallas too. the Johnston Ben, the Don offline Dallas one. Like, yes, they get rope a hints back 23,000 change on the road in Vegas. Like, no, um, but Dallas two, I guess they might show up as Dallas three, Ben Johnston, the Don off Ben's on the top power play unit. Johnston's look great in their first look great in their first game. He was one of the best rookies in the league last year. I don't care what any of the Calder Trophy voting looks like. And after Dadnoff got there, 3.2 expected goals in 230 minutes together, four and a half actual goals. That was shooting 15%, which is really high. But even if it's 10%, they're still like 20% above the league average by goal scoring because they're just generating so many shots. Vegas, too, has struggled defensively, which that shocked me to look. Because, like I said, their schedule has been cupcake to start this year. And Stevenson and Stone have just been getting kind of buried in their in the defensive zone. I got to think that's going to turn around eventually. But until I see that turnaround, I might want to take advantage of it. So Ben Johnson Dodonoff is honestly my favorite stack in this entire game. Yeah, I concur there. There's almost 300 of you in here. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to smash that like button. It supports us a lot. Thank you very much. Let's get to some defensemen here. I think, you know, with a lot of expensive lines on this slate, people jamming in McDavid, people jamming in McKinnon, et cetera, et cetera. I think spending up for defensemen is going to put you on a nice, unique build tonight. And the two guys at the top, Makar and Yossi, are obvious targets. I think you can go to Rasmus Dahlin uh, as well. Who else are you looking at on the blue line? Yeah, Yossi Bouchard were the two guys, like, from the same game that I that I kind of gravitated towards for the expensive guys. Like, with Petrangelo still out, like, there's two guys on the Vegas side. Like, Theodore, I think he's 57, 5,800. The thing with Theodore is, like, he's like the Nikolai Ehlers of defensemen, right? He just needs more minutes because he's really good in the minutes that he does get, at least offensively. And he has he's going to get minutes uh, with Petrangelo out. So, Theodore, Nick Haig. For cheap uh, from Vegas, I wrote him up in the Power Plays article. For expensive, uh, like those mid-price guys, Mike Matheson, certainly from Montreal. He's been playing a ton of minutes. He plays in all situations. Um, he's their most involved offensive defenseman by far. Josh Morrissey's not getting a lot of ownership, I noticed. He's only like 6 or 7% on DraftKings. Um, I don't mind the idea of, like, if you're not going to play Winnipeg 1, you might want to consider Morrissey because he does play a lot of minutes and he's going to be involved in the Power Play. Uh, for cheap guys, obviously, Sean Dersey. I mean, you got to keep mentioning him and, until they raise his price. I don't think it's necess- necessary to play him tonight going into a Long Island, but uh, Sean Dersey. Jordan Spence is still mid-price for Los Angeles, running the second power play unit, 2500 so I don't mind Spence. Uh, uh, Alex Romanoff from the Islanders. With Scott Mayfield out, like I said, I think the Islanders are probably just going to give more minutes to their existing top four, uh, Romanoff included. Uh, Brock Faber for Minnesota. I, he probably should play more minutes with Alex Goligoski out. And I'll mention Thomas Harley from, from Dallas. I think he was third in ice time amongst their defensemen in the first game. He's a guy I wrote about in the offseason. He was tremendous in the playoffs last year to the point where he started outplaying their regular defensemen uh, on, you know, by ice time. The coaches started giving him more ice time than their regular defensemen. He was a rookie, ostensibly a rookie. So Thomas Harley is another cheap uh, defenseman I like here tonight. Yeah, I'll just add on Mario Ferraro. He's going to have to block a ton of shots again. Darren Radish, 2,900. He's been playing 21 minutes a night, so I'll just add those guys there. Goalie's a little bit better than last night. Last night was an absolute circus in net. Uh, You got spend-up options in Sorokin. 
it's a you know 8400 eh, might be a little bit too pricey you're looking down at the bottom here mackenzie blackwood 6700 against carolina carolina Come for the expected goal, stay for the shutout. King Carroll against the Islanders, maybe. But then you, you have guys like Devin Levi at 7,800, Alexander Yorgiev at 8K. That interesting Hellebuck. Anything else sticking out to you? Yeah, I wrote up Jake Ottinger in the picks article because he's kind of in that mid price range. I think he's 7,600, 7,500 7, yeah. on DraftKings. Um, seventh fewest high danger shot attempts against. Um, of any goalie over the last three years, like Dallas does limit the quality, but they don't necessarily limit the shots by a lot. So like he'll get some low quality shots. I don't mind Ottinger. My spend up option tonight is probably Connor Hellebuck um, at home to Los Angeles. I was talking to somebody earlier about Blackwood. Like I wasn't really considering Mackenzie Blackwood, but now that I'm thinking about just how much Carolina's shooting from the blue line, like maybe even if he lets in three or four goals, he might see 40 to 45 shots here tonight. So I honestly, if you really need to save, I don't hate, hate the idea of playing Blackwood. Yeah. Strapping in the headgear, putting on the seatbelt with UC Saros tonight. Uh, no, I, no, I don't, play, I don't play goalies against Edmonton unless it's like a showdown slate or something like that's they're They're just too efficient on the power play. Yeah. Agreed there. Who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Uh, my client, Brock Nelson, for my hat trick pick tonight. Nice. I'm going narrative street season here. I'm going Gabriel Velarde. Ooh, that's spicy. I like He's it. Got I'm excited for that game. That's a game I'll probably be watching tonight. Um, it's so funny. Someone said something to me about, like, narrative street for Pierre-Lac Dubois. Pierre-Lac Dubois has narrative street every night. He's talked himself off of, like, 17 teams already in the NHL. So, like. <laughs> Yeah, by the time he's 35, he's going to have the energy yeah. against like a third of the league. Yeah, we will be back on Thursday. Uh, NHL classic scheduling here. They're going 9 to 15, 7, whatever they're doing. I don't know. But we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, make sure to smash that like button on the way out. Make sure to click that link in the description below. Get your Kulito into the Discord. And we will see you on Thursday. Good luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wells Fargo presents one of the surest ways to grow your money. A Wells Fargo CD account. Where you can earn a 5.00% annual percentage yield on an 11-month term with a minimum opening deposit of $5,000. Visit a Wells Fargo branch or wellsfargo.com backslash CD rates to open a CD account and start growing your savings with us. Wells Fargo Bank, N.A., member FDIC. 